Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Lafondra looking to get outside of Fon. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello and welcome to another Elm Park preview podcast. Um, this week we are joined by the brand new Reading Chronicle reporter, Benji Nurek. Uh, how are you, Benji? I'm doing very well. Excited to be here. Excited to be chatting football. Excited to be chatting about Reading. Yeah, I mean, you must be very excited to talk about Reading. It, uh, the one thing that is probably playing into your hands a little bit is it, it seems like an interesting time to be around the club for, for a reporter. It, it certainly does. I mean, whenever I've talked to any Reading supporter so far, the first thing they tell me is it's never dull around here. And after one week in the job, I can confirm that it seems like it's never dull around here. So, yeah, no, just excited to meet people, learn more about the community, learn more about the club and everything that I've seen so far, at least off the pitch, has been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, on the pitch is a whole nother matter. But uh, yeah, I mean, an exciting first week for sure. Um, I guess the thing that people might pick up quite quickly uh, about you, Benji, is your accent isn't from around these parts. So uh, kind of give us a little introduction as to how you've ended up here. Yeah, my accent hasn't quite become a British one just yet. Hopefully in time we'll get there. But so I, I grew up in Seattle in America. Um, my father is South African and he was a fanatical football fan from the time that he was a child. So he raised me in America to really only be passionate about British sport, football, cricket, rugby. We weren't really allowed to. We had an informal embargo on sort of the NFL basketball, baseball in my household. It had to be football mostly. And so I was raised as a fanatical Chelsea supporter. I know some won't be delighted to hear that, but um, that's how I was raised. But um, I, I moved to London a few years ago for university. I started covering Charlton Athletic, which is a club that's gone through its own fair share of difficult times and bizarre events, and then started here at Reading um, last week. So yeah, it's been, it's been quick, but it's also been long getting here, and I'm just excited to you know, really sink my teeth in and, and see, what, see what we can do, because it definitely 
it feels like an exciting place to be, an exciting club to be, even if at times it's a little bit upsetting. Um, but I think that's just the nature of football in general. I'm really struggling to kind of picture a cricket fan in Seattle. I'm not sure that those <laughs> kind of work very well together. But uh, yeah, there's, well, a, I, there's at least a, a football soccer team there now, mm-hmm. isn't there? Oh, well, there's yeah. been a football team for a while. There's now an NHL team as well, right? <laughs> Um, I, I can't tell you the amount of times I've had to explain the rules of cricket to someone in uh, in America. It rarely is successful. It seems they just can't fully grasp it, even though I feel like in reality it's not that complicated of a sport, but maybe I just haven't explained it well enough. Yeah, I was watching a test match once and someone from America was messaging me and they were like, oh, who's winning? And it's like, oh, it's just day one. And they were like, how many days are there? Like, uh, just just five. It's fine. No, you know, we've got nowhere they, to be. They hear five days and they immediately run all the Americans that I've that I've tried to get into cricket so far. Yeah, T20 might be more their speed, you know. It might it, be. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, big Chris Gale or something hitting sixes. Nobody can, yeah, uh, nobody can deny that. that fun, surely. That's, that cannot be enjoyable to watch. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, your time covering uh, Charlton, some, yeah. as you say, some, some very interesting stuff happened at Charlton yeah. as well. That, that must have been quite, um, quite interesting to be around too, mm. I, I guess. Yeah, in about 18 months, uh, I saw four different owners promotion, relegation, transfer embargoes, um, supporter protests. It, it really was an 18-month, two-year period that I think what, what actually happened in that time was a lot more than just two years. So I think it had a lot of, I gained a lot of experience from being around such a sort of crazy time in the club's history where at various points it seemed like maybe the club wouldn't exist anymore. It seemed like, are they heading towards liquidation? Are they heading towards... Um, going out of business. Fortunately, they're now on in a better situation, but it definitely was a, a crash course in everything that can go wrong in a football club. So I feel like whatever happens at Reading, and I'm sure I'll be wrong about this, but whatever happens at Reading, I feel like I'm prepared. Again, I'm sure I'll be wrong about that, and there'll be lots that I'm not prepared for. <laughs> I mean, I would very much like it to not be as exciting as your time at Charlton, to be perfectly honest. Um, and obviously, Nigel Adkins was manager yeah. whilst you were covering them. How was Nigel? Like he, a former Reading manager, always very positive. Mm. Yeah, no, that was, I think, going to be the first thing I would say about Nigel. Always wants to have a smile on his face, no matter the situation. I will say one thing I've having. Of the people I've dealt with in football so far, and the previous Charlton manager was Lee Bowyer, who, if anyone can remember sort of his style of play, his style of management was very similar. Um, And Nigel was kind of the exact opposite. So as a person to deal with, Nigel was absolutely fantastic, incredibly kind and generous, and just really happy to go out of his way to you know, have conversations with people that he didn't need to sort of develop a relationship with. But I think that's just his natural personable self is that he wants to do that. Unfortunately, on the pitch, the results at Charlton were not sort of as good as he was as just a general human. And I think as we all know in football, you don't really get that much for being a nice guy. You have to get the results as well. And that ended up being his downfall. And I think it was when he left Charlton, when he was sacked, it was really the only decision that could be made. His time had to be up. But yeah, definitely, I think a lot of the criticisms that it seems like Reading fans have is the criticisms that Charlton fans have. And I think maybe in some ways football is moving past him if he doesn't uh, doesn't adapt. But 
definitely an, an, an enjoyable person to get to know. Yeah, I mean, I was about to say exactly what you said, that that, that feels very reminiscent of his time at Reading. Um, I mean, I still follow him on Twitter and he's always, you know, he, uh, during the pandemic, he was doing these kind of early morning videos. And I think in some ways time has been quite kind to him. Like people now look back and, and see mm. the, the person he was. I, okay. I, at times when you've just lost a game and he's come out and being that positive person, that can be a little bit jarring sometimes. So it, it almost plays yeah. against him in some ways. But nah, I, I mean, I think everyone kind of wishes Nigel uh, Adkins well now. And, mm. and and it would be, I hope he doesn't fall out of management. I, I can see what you're saying. He's kind of going that way. He's dropping down the mm. leagues a bit now, but surely he'll end up at Scunthorpe and rescue mm. them or something. So that, that'd be nice to see. Um, so yeah, you, you you came from Charlton, um, and and you've you started at Reading, and I, I noticed you were doing a bit of a walk around of the old sort of Reading. Not that there are too many, but of Elm Park and the stadium and whatnot. Um, what was your your first thoughts when you turned up? Yes, yeah, so I, I I got in touch with uh, the supporters trust, and Roger Titford was very kind to give me a very extensive tour around the town. I'd never been to Reading before starting this job; had never been to the Medeski SCL Stadium. Um, so I really wanted to get to know it a little bit better before I started, and he was the perfect person for that. We went to the stadium. We went to all the old sites of the stadium. We went to the training ground. He had facts about everything, and it was. You know, I think you can get to know a town, a place, a community in a very specific and very sort of unique way and very genuine way when you get to know their football club, because in most places, that's kind of the heart and soul of the community is the football club. So I think, you know, to get to know Reading as a community and get to know Reading as a town, I feel like I've got to and had to get to know the, the club and the team as well as I possibly could. So I think it was a good tour in that respect because it gave me a nice introduction to the town. It gave me a nice introduction to the community. And more importantly, it gave me a nice introduction to the club and its history. And, you know, it definitely... It's, um, it's kind of cool when you go around the whole town and you see all the various different sites of where the, the Reading have played. It, it feels like, you know, everywhere in Reading has been a, the, there's been a stadium Reading has played there. And it just, it makes it feel like, I guess, Reading is really, inter or the football club is really intertwined in every avenue of, of the town, which is, is, is cool to see. But no, I, I mean, my first impressions were, I mean, I'm a pretty positive person, but my first impressions were quite positive. I, I liked everything that I saw. And as I said, it, uh, it, it really gave me, I guess, an appreciation for the history, which is obviously incredibly extensive. I mean, celebrating the 150th year the, the, this year, and it's had so much in that 150 year period. I mean, I guess all football clubs have experienced a lot, but to to go through so many stadiums, to go through so many divisions, to have these sort of ups and downs, both in the last decade as well as in that full 150 years, it really sort of gave me an appreciation for what the club has been through in in that time, which certainly hasn't always been simple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I imagine Roger Titford is, there aren't many better people to walk around Reading with when you're trying to learn the football club. He, he knows his stuff. Yeah, he had a lot of wisdom to impart on me, and I was really, really happy about that because you know I I want to I want to learn as much as possible at the moment and take in as much as I can, and he was definitely the right person to help with that. So I I learned a lot from that. I'm still obviously learning. I'm not going to pretend like I'm a total expert on reading just yet. Hopefully in time, but he was certainly a good head start. <laughs> well, um, so so then you you watch your first two matches, which um. <laughs> 
well, we'll try and gloss over them really because they weren't the most exciting. But the thing that I did um, kind of pick up from in your player ratings is if I hadn't known that you're a brand new journalist, it felt like reading someone that has watched the club for, you know, well, years or, or for at least through this period. So uh, how much sort of research had you done about the playing side and the, the mm. team before you got here? Well, firstly, I appreciate that. I'm going to take that as a compliment. Um, because... It was meant to be one. <laughs> um, no, it's a, it's a good question. I think I'd, I'd done quite a lot of research. I mean, I watched uh, a few previous games just either on TV or, or, or extended highlights, things like that. Uh, talked to various different people, including Matt Joy, who obviously um, was me before me arrived. And he was incredibly helpful, had a lot of a lot uh, he was able to tell me, which was was really helpful. I feel like, you know, just speaking to people who have, I'm not going to pretend like I know everything. So speaking to people who have a lot more knowledge than I do is just going to help me build up my knowledge. So that was incredibly helpful. I think just those, those first two games, despite it obviously being only two games, I think I was able to sort of pick up on a lot of themes and, and the way that Reading play fairly quickly, I would hope. Um, in part, I think it's helped by the fact that the squad is fairly thin at the moment, so there's not that many players that I have to get to know um, at this exact time. Obviously, the team was very similar in those two games, um, but no, it's 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 been it, it's been a baptism of fire in some ways because obviously two games in the first three days of starting the job or whatever. But I think that's just the best way to get into it because you immediately just have to sort of learn and figure out things. Otherwise, you're just going to be totally clueless. And I was hoping to not come across as totally clueless. So hopefully that was accomplished. Yeah, no, 100%. I thought it was, uh, you know, player ratings are hard sometimes as well, especially when like a match like um, Tuesday, where I felt like the team kind of were doing what was asked of them, but mm -hmm. not necessarily accomplishing much. So yeah, no, I thought I thought it was really good. Um, and and look forward to reading more. Um, especially when you have to do them sort of on the final whistle. That's, that's yeah. fun. Yeah, player ratings are difficult, especially because, I mean, so much of football obviously is based on the entire team structure as opposed to what individuals are doing. So, for example, Tom Deli Bashiru, I thought his he was on the periphery of, of the game on Tuesday night. He was asked to do a job that I think was probably a little bit unfamiliar for him where he was playing very far forward and Ovia Jaria was playing deeper and – Tom uh, Deli Bashiru was essentially being asked to run beyond the defense and act as sort of that line-breaking, attacking midfielder, second forward. And I don't think that's necessarily the role that is most comfortable for him. But, for example, he only touched the ball 13 times in the 60 minutes that he was on the pitch, whereas Andy Carroll came on and had 21 touches. And I think that just kind of shows how sort of uninvolved he was. So for those player ratings, I gave him a four out of 10, which I think in hindsight might be a little bit harsh because <laughs> while he didn't really impact the game heavily, I'm not sure it was entirely his fault because as I said, you know, if he's not being played in, if the passes aren't arriving and he's making the runs and doing the job he's being asked to do, but the rest of his team isn't picking him out, it's not really his fault as much as either an issue with the system or an issue with the, the players around him. So I think player ratings are going to be difficult in that respect because it just, we all know it, it's so much a team game. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wasn't trying to drop you in it with any particular rating there. I, I didn't think they were, they were wrong no, or anything. I didn't feel like you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good, good. Um, 
I guess the final question I, I kind of had for you, uh, Benji, is mm. what what kind of style of football do do you like to watch? Like, because. I think Panovic's style is sometimes a bit attritional and, and like Tuesday night can end up a little bit dull. Um, mm. So Reading's kind of stereotypical, what most people go back to is just four four two with quick wingers and that's how historically things have gone mm. in the club and, and done quite well with. Uh, what, what's your favourite style? Well, I'm going to be totally honest. I'm a little bit of a traditionalist in terms of style of play in that by far my favorite style is whatever gets the job done and gets uh, the most points on the board. So, you know, in different situations, I think teams have to adapt in different ways. And when things are going hard and aren't going well and you have your back against the wall, sometimes you do have to play a bit more attritionally and just kind of make sure you're in every game so that you can try to nick a winner or or get a draw. I, I mean... I do love flowing, attacking football. That's always going to be what's, I think, the most fun to watch. You know, want to see quick passing, want to see um, the team getting bodies up, getting getting players in the opposition box to try to really cause as much mayhem as possible. You know, getting the ball to the most dangerous players in the most dangerous areas of the pitch. I mean, on, on Tuesday night, we saw, uh, as, as, I, as we were just kind of discussing, Ovi Azaria playing very deep. And I thought, you know, it helped in certain ways because it helped Reading keep possession, but it hindered them in a lot of ways because you want to get your most dangerous players on the ball in positions where they can actually hurt the opposition. And I felt he wasn't really able to do that because when he's got the ball 60 yards from goal I mean there's there's a limit to the amount he can do in that respect so I I, I would say that you know my, my my preferred style of play is I want to see lots of goals I want to see lots of drama I want to see as much action as possible because that's always fun but at the same time I think by far my favorite style of play is winning style of, is the winning style of play whatever that takes in that specific game I will say that I'm not totally convinced by Redding's current style of play that I've seen in the last two games. I'm sure lots of fans are not convinced by it either, um, judging by the results and the performances. I think that there's a lot of sort of sterile possession, possession without really doing much, having the ball and just kind of passing it around without a distinct idea of what to actually do with it once, once you get the ball or get the ball higher up the pitch. And I think that is an issue because teams – are going to feel pretty comfortable. And you can see Sheffield United, especially in those last 30 minutes when they had the lead, they felt totally fine just letting Reading have the ball, letting Reading have as much possession kind of as they wanted because they never really looked like threatening. I mean, the, the there weren't really any clear-cut chances, any clear-cut opportunities. So I think, you know, possession for possession's sake is not really something that I see huge amount of merit to if you don't have the the tactics the strategy the game plan and the players to make that pay because otherwise you're really just giving the opponent some free time to just hang out and not have to really exert much energy and I think that's what we saw from Sheffield United on on Tuesday was that they were able to just kind of cruise to to victory in those last 30 minutes even if Reading had uh, the majority of the ball which they did in those in that final half an hour yeah, I mean, I don't think that we're kind of prime Barcelona, tiki-taki kind of tiki-taka kind of football. I'm not sure that we're ever going to be able to pull that off. Um, so, yeah, you've had two home games. Um, Swansea City away. Are you, are you off to the Liberty to uh, to cover that one? I am. It'll be my first ever visit to Wales, so I'm I'm excited about that. Um, have never been before. I don't know. I don't know necessarily if Swansea is sort of the place that I that I would have picked if I was going to Wales, but I'm 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 excited about it. it. Should be fun. Excited to see sort of 
what an away day looks like for Reading, because obviously it's always a bit different at home versus away. The the support, the the the, the whole sort of process of, of an away game, and um, obviously the performance as well is oftentimes different home versus away. So I'm yeah, I'm I'm certainly excited about it. I'm sure I'll be. A little bit less excited about it when my alarm goes off at, at whatever very early hour of the day I have to wake up. But I'm sure I'll be back to being excited about it just a, a few minutes later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd take some warm layers for this weekend. I think it's meant to be pretty, pretty cold. I'm not sure how many how many people we're taking. So what what are you expecting from this game, I, I guess, Benji? Like, do you think that um, Reading will be able to get a result or do you think Swansea might be too strong? I, I think it'll be a very tough game. I will say that. I think Swansea are a team who have really started to find their feet in the last few weeks, few months. They started the season in with in mixed fashion. I mean, they brought a new manager who's very much about a long-term vision, Russell Martin, as opposed to sort of the immediate um, results. So I think they were struggling a little bit with that growing pains, getting up to sort of speed with his style of football. But in the last couple of months, it seems like they've really started to adapt to that and start to figure out how to play his style and play it effectively. They did have a couple of bad results recently. They lost 4-0 to Bournemouth, but Unfortunately, I don't think that's necessarily going to be super uh, representative of what we might see on on Saturday because obviously Bournemouth are probably the form team and and the top team in this division. So they're they're a challenge for anyone. But, you know, Swansea keep a lot of ball. They want to really have possession and try to figure out ways to cut you open with, with the ball and with long, flowing, attacking, passing moves and... I, I don't think that will not play into Reading's hands. I think that's not the worst sort of thing for Reading because um, I do think that if they're getting countered on in that sort of style, if a team is playing with pacey counterattacking football, I think that Reading would potentially struggle maybe even more with that. But I do think they're going to have a tough time if they can't press them effectively. And Reading have had a tough time this whole season, really, at least statistically. Obviously, I haven't seen every game, but statistically at least they've struggled in 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 the pressing game and if you give Swansea too much time on the ball if you just let them play their game and not really disrupt them I think that's when they get into their flow and that's when they can really sort of make you pay so I think it will I'm sure it'll be a tough game that that I'm certain of but you know you you really never know in this division it just takes one moment one little piece of luck one good performance and things you know form goes completely out the window what's what's happened in the previous game goes completely out the window so yeah i'm i'm tentatively optimistic but you'll learn that i am an optimist well you're american right that's that's in your nature uh, i've i've learned that over the course of many years uh, do you want to stick your neck out and and give a score prediction or i've got kind of rounded that on you without uh, telling you that that's something that we sometimes do do you, do, do you fancy sticking your neck out or or we can wait for next time 2-1 Reading, Andy Carroll stoppage time winner. Absolute scenes. That would be that would be good. And and therefore I would probably regret not going if that's the case. <laughs> I, like, personally, I, I really can't see anything other than a Swansea win. I'm normally the optimistic one here, Benji, to be honest. So but but oh, it's gonna be 2-0 Swansea. I just can't see anything else. Like Reading. Uh, it's, there's some ridiculous stat that I saw earlier about Reading not winning at the Liberty ever or something and haven't beaten Swansea since 2008 or something ridiculous. I don't know. So um bit of a bogey team. Oh, well, yeah. 
that I think they've just been consistently better than us over the last 15 years, maybe. Uh, so, so there's that going as well. Uh, well, Benji, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, hopefully yeah, we'll, we'll have you back um, over the course of the season and um, safe travels to Swansea. Oh, very much appreciate that. My Truly my pleasure. It's been uh, very nice to chat with you. Looking forward to the next one already. Hopefully we'll have a, a win or two to talk about by then because um, I'm still still waiting for my first win. Hopefully, hopefully it comes sooner rather than later. Yeah, fingers crossed, mate. Uh, after the break, we will be talking to uh, Swans cast and get the view of the Swansea side. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I'm here with Luke from Swans Cast. How are you doing, Luke? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, doing all right, thanks. Good, good. Uh, obviously, this is kind of the second meeting between the teams. Uh, the first one didn't really count because... Reading played a, a youth team, really, in, in the Carabao Cup. Um, at that point, Swansea were kind of middling. Obviously, you just uh, got uh, Russell Martin in. But the last few weeks seem to have really... Things have kicked into gear. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. The last month maybe stretched to two months at this point. Um, we've, we've definitely gone on an upward trend and it's been a lot sooner than what I expected because we were kind of expecting the transition season where you'd have ups and downs. It would take a while to get into a new style of play with a new manager because he came in pretty late as well. But um, we seem to be ahead of where I would have expected, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, it, it was the, the 1st of August, I think he came in. So um, yeah. we were just teething difficulties to begin with. Like, well, it was... Uh, that pre-season. It was a ridiculous pre-season. Um, I can't remember the exact date. It probably is about what you said around then. But it was a couple of days, less than a week before we kicked off with the first game in the championship. So he had no friendlies, no um, no pre-season, essentially. So Steve Cooper obviously left. Um, we didn't realise at the time. But when he left, he'd already agreed to leave two weeks prior. And he agreed to continue training the team until, I don't know why, for for two weeks so we had a couple of friendlies where he was in charge the fans didn't know he'd already agreed to leave but we didn't know at that point um we also had a few cases of covid during pre-season so a combination of those things i think a manager that knew he wasn't new probably wasn't doing the best job training the team um god knows what the players were thinking and then you've got to look at the recruitment as well which was obviously mostly done after martin came which is late into pre-season and yeah, it was a tricky start, especially when you're tr trying to play a completely different style as well. Um, the first kind of like six, seven matches were our pre-season, if you like. Yeah, and and why did Cooper leave? Like, is is there any reason that it is obvious? Because obviously that late in the summer and the fact that you'd done okay under him in his two seasons, uh, two full seasons, yeah. was it just that change was needed or, or there was something else going on behind the scenes? I don't think anyone really knows the full picture, you know, the actual answer here. But he, I think, is claiming and putting out there that he wasn't getting the back in he wanted. So this goes back into last season where there was a player sold at the beginning of the last season that he wanted in the team. And 
we had the new uh, director of football in when Ju- uh, Julian Winter came in when he'd replaced Trevor Birch, who went um, on to bigger and better things with the, I think it was the FA or something he's gone to be in charge of now. Um, and he sold the player without telling Cooper. Cooper didn't like that. He came out and spoke about that. Um, it, it was quite apparent, though, because this player was in the team and then the next day he was gone. He was like, didn't know that was happening. Um in January, then we didn't get a striker in, which was an issue we didn't resolve the summer before as well. Some of us, Steve Cooper, definitely wanted to get, to get a striker in, and we didn't get that. So, not necessarily getting everyone he wanted. And obviously, we got close to promotion last year. One of the big things that probably cost us was not having a striker. So, um, I guess all these things adding up, there wasn't much of a relationship with him and the board, I think, which progressively got worse. Um, and then obviously not going up in the playoffs for a second time. For him, he probably thought, like, how am I going to improve? I, I've had the semi-finals, I got to the final. I'm not really getting the back in. There's talks about the captain, Matt Grimes, going, and other players did leave, like Connor Roberts. We couldn't keep Andre Ayew, who left on a free because of his big contract. So I think he just probably thought it was going to be really tough to replicate his good success, especially with his style of football. He wasn't getting the players in to push on from his point of view. Um, and I think that's ultimately why he's gone. Apparently, the Mac Rhymes leaving thing was the final nail in the coffin for him. Funnily enough, since he's gone, Mac Rhymes has gone and signed a new contract because of how excited he is to play under the new regime with the new style of football. So quite ironic, really. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, it's worked out fairly well for both Swansea and Cooper. Uh, as as we say, um well, I think last week when we played Forrest and Cooper, we were talking about them being third in the form table. And now we're, we're playing Swansea and we're talking about you guys being third in the form <laughs> table. Um, so that Matt Grimes thing actually came out this this week, I think, right? Uh, that he yeah, contract. La- end of last week, something like that. End, yeah, crazy. so, so um, he is still presumably integral to the way that you're playing. I think he's played every minute so far this season. Yeah, the team has pretty much been built around him. Russell Martin, first thing he said when he came in, you know, I want to keep Grimes, like we need to keep Grimes, it's priority. He came out and said in the interview after this contract's been signed that he didn't think it was going to happen. He thought Grimes was going to be gone. Obviously, he's very happy that he's not and he's captain and now we can continue to build the team around him. And um, the fact that we've kept him, I think, is a statement and could help us with other recruitment uh, going forward. But yeah, back to Cooper, he is doing well at Forest. Um, he's a good manager at the end of the day. I, I wasn't necessarily like, there was a lot of Swansea fans that were happy that he left. They weren't happy with the style of football he was playing. But I'm always there like, okay, it's not the most exciting. We're playing maybe more exciting Swansea-like football, if you like, now. But at the end of the day, he was successful with what he did. And, you know, we got playoffs twice. So you can't say he was a bad manager. And it might not be the, pre- the, the preference in terms of the style, but credit where credit's due. He maybe did it a bit different to what we wanted, but he was still a good manager for us. Yeah, and I think we, we've had something similar under Panovic where fans now aren't necessarily thrilled about the start of football. But I think over, you know, the pandemic and, and lockdown and people not being a, allowed to go and watch games, it's, there hasn't been the same kind of pressure around that, I think. have you, have you, Well, last season, did you find that? I mean, I guess you'd already had some games with Cooper under your yeah. belt, uh, whereas we were completely fresh to Panovic. I think um, it was after sort of Christmas, January, February time. We were really high in the league. We could have actually challenged for the tight, um, 
for first place at that point. We beat Norwich, I think, at the start of February. And we had two games in hand, which if we had won them, we would have gone top, right? And all of a sudden, we went on a bad run where um, we couldn't win, we couldn't score, we stopped scoring. And the goal scoring never really got fixed for the rest of the year. We kind of stemmed the bad uh, tide change in the formation and you know kept our playoffs uh, alive and we managed to stay in the playoffs. But I think the bitter taste came then from from that. It was there was people in that camp already, but it just grew and grew and grew as we were watching us just hold on to draws or hold on to a one nil and just defend all the time. And people just start getting fed up of it because you know we were successful in the past playing this passing football. And as much as we got to the playoffs, we were successful. Ultimately, didn't win the playoffs. People were just like, oh no, we need to go back to this other football. Like this isn't doing it for me. And uh, yeah, I. I don't know. It's a, it's a fan base thing, I think. There's um, historic stuff behind it, and it's difficult to let go sometimes when it's done well for you. Yeah, and I mean, as you say, you, you're kind of going back toward that style of football. Um, well, I was about to say a little bit, but when you look at your possession stats, some of them are unbelievable. I think yeah. in the game against Barnsley, you had 79%, which is unheard of, I think. So... That that is presumably the style. Is it is it keep ball and and I don't want to say slow, but but more methodical and 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 building in possession rather than try to catch teams on the counter kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Which is obviously different from Cooper because it would be more of a hit people on the break sort of thing. Um, but under Russell Martin now, kind of like what the Swansea way always was, keeping the ball, having high possession. But I would say the the average possession is probably higher. Than it's ever been so there is differences within this style um of the formation is different ultimately from every time we've done this in the past we usually have done a 4-3-3 but now we're doing the wing backs with the five at the back or three at the back however you like to call it but the wing backs are more like wingers when we've got the ball especially at home um one of the center midfielders usually drops back creating an extra center back it's really quite a fluid formation if you actually watch the nitty-gritty of what's going on so you've got the wing backs high up they're kind of the threat um but yeah we're keeping the ball you're saying about being slow and methodical it is sometimes it is quite slow actually if you watch the Barnsley game yesterday um it was a little bit of a slow sort of like move the team around tire them out and eventually the chances came and we obviously won 2-0 but for the first half of that game it was quite boring it's not always like that it's because Barnsley obviously sat back they were defending you know a lot of men behind the ball letting us have it we had like over 80 percent possession in the first half which which obviously explains that but eventually they couldn't hold on anymore and we got the chances and the second half did open up a bit more when we brought on more attacking subs as well but at home uh, we tend to create a little bit more chances as well so I don't know if uh, you want to hear that but um, it has been a bit better for us at home going forward no, I mean that that's kind of my worry about this one's game is that Reading are probably gonna give you guys possession anyway, and we're not particularly resolute defensively for, for 90 minutes. So I imagine you will break through at some point, but yeah. well, f- fingers crossed, not more than once. That that as long as we keep the score down, I think I'd be happy that, uh, on Saturday. Um you you've got a couple of guys that are scoring your goals. Uh, one of those is Joel Hero. Yeah, that's whose right. name I should have probably tried before the podcast. Um, but yeah, he's <laughs> he's been well. 
a revelation, I guess. Are you allowed to still say that? I feel like I say that almost every week about one young player, but he's only 22. He's scored 10 goals. Um, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, he's been he's been really good for us. He's been uh, well, no one knew what to expect. So I, I mean, he's been a surprise. But then you don't know. You, we didn't know about him. He's not really had like that much first team football in the past. He's been on loans, I think, once or twice, but never really, you know, worked out massively for him. But sometimes it, that is the case with with loans, and you've got to go to a team and settle yourself in, knowing that that's your home, and it's working for him so far. So he's dangerous. He's got a good um, finish on him. Uh, you know, he can create a chance for himself. If you look at the goal he scored against Blackpool, he got himself a little bit of space and he smashed into the top corner. Claims to be left-footed, but he scored just as many with his right. So, yeah, he's dangerous. A lot of Swansea fans have um, compared him to Michu. I'm sure you would have remembered him from the past. I'm not saying he's, you know, the same level as Michu, but he does, like, remind you of him sometimes in the way that he plays. And that's exciting for us, I think, is... Uh, bring it back good memories and we're happy to have a striker again who's putting the goals in because it's been probably since we sold Oliver McBurney, we haven't really had uh, a striker that's doing the business. I know we had Brewster on loan briefly, but obviously it's a loan player and we, we only had him for, what, three months, I think, in the end. So, Yeah, I think that strike against Blackpool, I think I saw it on Twitter or somewhere and it just stays so true. Like he, As yeah. you say, he hit it with his weak foot and it, he almost finds beyond the top corner, like almost into the side netting type thing. It's yeah, it was a pretty unbelievable strike. And um, the other guy that you've got uh, who scored a few goals for you is Jamie Patterson, who I I always used to like watching. At, um, where well, was at Bristol City last year? Um, he's also got a few assists. Uh, he's one of those kind of creative players that I think a lot of people in the league would would like to have. Yeah, and another one that um, when he came in. No- some of the fans weren't really, you know, excited by that signing. Free transfer, okay, if he's he's on a free, is he not good enough for Bristol? It's kind of what uh, people were saying. But you've got to give him a chance, haven't you? And he's come in and I guess he's had a point to prove. And he's proven it, if you ask me. Um, him and Perot have got a really good partnership going on. They tend to assist each other quite a lot. Obviously, the other one scoring, as you mentioned, those two being the top goal scorers. So it's working really well for us. The only issue with that, we maybe will have going forward is if one of them drops off in form or gets injured and isn't in the team, who comes in then? Because we are quite reliant, I think, on those two sometimes. We've got Cham coming in, potentially getting in on the party, but it is definitely those two at the moment that are the main threats. And I guess teams, they are starting to work that out. So see if it can continue. Yeah, I mean, um, who else have you got? In, in your squad that, that Reading fans should be looking out for this, this weekend or, or maybe even beyond that? I would say in terms of uh, creating our chances, Ethan Laird is quite dangerous. So he's the right wing back. We've got him alone from Man United. So he's, um, I say he is like a right, he is a right back, but he is more like a winger than most wing backs are. He's, uh, he's quite nifty on the ball. He's quite quick with his feet. He's skillful, so he'll try a couple of step overs and try and beat his man, knock the ball past his man, and cut back in all that sort of stuff to get into the box. Um, he's actually had a lot of penalty shouts this season without actually getting one given. Okay, so take from that where you will. Some of them they definitely should have been given. Some of them he's gone down perhaps a little bit too easy. There is contact, but you know, falls over because of a little bit of a shoulder or a bit of a body weight. Uh, 
he, he runs quite quick, so it happens quite often with players like that. But yeah, he's he's going to probably get into the box, get into a couple of dangerous positions, uh, puts a low cross in. He is definitely one of our more dangerous uh, weapons. A lot comes up his um, his right hand side. That's exciting. Like, is it, yeah, I mean, yes, he's a lone player, but twenty years old, and there's quite a few names in your in your squad that do still have time to develop. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Laird is one. Uh, Cabango's another. He's only twenty-one. Uh, Piro at twenty-two, and as you say, was wasn't even playing senior football before you found him. Um, do and and I know you sort of talked about this. Um, in, in negatively um yeah. with the transfer business that you were doing in summer but you you've done okay in the loan market under steve cooper and, and then you've got these guys coming in uh, your scouting network work must be fairly decent i would have thought i think um well andy scott is in charge of that now so i think he's been doing a good job since he's taken the reins under steve cooper obviously we had a lot of his contacts where we got a lot of our loan players um you know like Brewster, as I mentioned, we've got Freddie Woodman, Conor Gallagher, all came in on loan. Um, don't necessarily have that anymore, but I guess we've built good relationships with those clubs. We had, uh, we've got, um, I'm trying to remember his name now, <laughs> centre back from Liverpool. Uh, he hasn't played that much this season. Forgot Reece his Williams. name off the top. Yeah, that's it, Reese Williams. I knew he was a Welsh name in there somewhere, but um, I would imagine he's come and of having a good relationship with Liverpool frustration for them is that he's not playing and there is talks he's going to go back in January and you can't always keep them all happy can you but it's just an example of where we still might be benefiting from like the you know the, the Steve Cooper links but um otherwise yeah Joe Perot definitely I think that was a signing from the club's system um but then the signing since Martin's come in Patterson I think is uh, is definitely from Russell Martin. He was a free transfer, same as in Cham. Um, I'm not sure where the connection is there, but he was a free transfer as well. He obviously played in Scotland and then in France, so um, I'm not sure how Russell Martin knows so much about him, but he was quite uh, willing to bring him in because it seemed like a, a, some teams didn't want to take the risk there. And Flynn Downs as well is one that he's brought from League One, obviously when he was with MK Dons last year. Downs came from Ipswich, um, so we've seen him playing in that league a little bit there. So, and Led as well. Sorry, he he came from MK Tottenham. He was on loan there last season, so they already had a relationship. So it's a bit of a mixture of um, trust in the manager, but we definitely got a good scouting network, and um, it's coming back to where it was before. Obviously, when we used to pluck the likes of Michu out for two million, that was definitely a good bargain. But um, Perot maybe is going to be in that same breath one day. Who knows? Yeah, I mean. It feels quite a lot like Reading. Everything comes back to that one one player and you're kind yeah. of clutching onto that, like meet you or, or whatnot. Um, so for this weekend, how do you think it's going to go and what's your score prediction? Well, I know you've been in a bit of tough times recently, which is quite sad to see with the deduction and stuff. And I don't really know the ins and outs, whether you can tell me maybe if that's having an effect on the playing um, standards or how you're playing on the pitch, but I, I've seen your forms maybe dropped off a bit lately, which for us, I think that's good news. We we kind of on the other way where we're on the up, as I already spoke about earlier. I believe we've had like five or six wins in the last eight matches when I was looking for our podcast this week, and home games specifically, we have generally done better at. So I'm going to I know you don't want to hear it, but I'm going to say we probably will win this game, I think. Um, 
I'm going to go... I'm going to say 2-0 to the Swans for this one. Um, see, 2-0 see, is exactly because, what I said. Yeah, I think we're just quite strong at home. We'll keep the ball well. If we can get an early goal, that suits us down to the ground because it means teams can't sit back and defend. And as soon as you start coming out and trying to play against us, it, the earlier in the match, the better because it leaves gaps for us. And if we're fresher, we can exploit them. The later in the match, um, obviously going one in is never a bad thing. But... Um, the, the, the times we have gone ahead, like within the first five, ten minutes, it's, it's been a bigger score. That's all I will say. Um, obviously, otherwise, the idea will be tire you out, keep the ball, pass around like we did against Barnsley and hope the opportunities come out of the end and just, just sort of get the win. The, diff, the, the, the challenge is, if we are just one nil up, is us maintaining our focus and keeping, the, you know, keeping our playing style going, which we didn't do against Blackpool. In the second half, they came into the game a bit more, started playing the, with the ball a little bit more, and we kind of let them have the ball, which we don't usually do because obviously we like to keep it up. So if you can maybe take heart from what Blackpool did, press hard because that's where our weakness is. If you can press uh, where we're trying to pass around the back, cut off the lines, put pressure on the guy who's playing the ball, that's when you can perhaps get some opportunities from mistakes that you can force us to make. Yeah, it's interesting. Like Panovic, I, I would say he normally sets up our team to negate the opposition. And midweek, that meant a very dull kind of standoff and and just wait. Um, but then against Forest uh, last Saturday, we, we, we did press a bit higher. So I would expect yeah. us to at least try that game plan, whether it works for us or not. I'm not I'm not so sure. Um you were saying about the deduction, like a lot of our problems actually stem from the fact that we have so many injuries at the minute. So yeah, that also doesn't help with with a high press when when you can't really rotate. Um, although we've just had an international break, so maybe that will help. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, as I said, I, I was go. I went with two nil to Swansea as well because I I just with everything that is going on at Reading, uh, I'm I'm not too confident going into games at the minute. Well, I hope you turn it around because uh, obviously you, did, you had a good season last year and were tailed off at the end. But um, it'd be good to see you stay in the league and you know back get back up to the top half. Well, thank you very much. I'm not sure it will happen this this season, but it, as long as we stay in the division, I'm not too worried to be honest. Um, I think that's a relatively good place to end it. So, Luke, thank you very much. Um, good luck for the rest of the season, and thank you. Uh, I hope it's not too cold on Saturday because. Looks like it might be a pretty grim. Well, we're in Wales. It's always either raining or cold in the winter. So we'll be, uh, I'm sure we'll all be wrapped up warm. <laughs> nice one. See you, mate. Thank you very much.